on this episode of Deep Thrones, we're back. Hello and welcome back to Deep Thrones. We're back, baby. We're back. We're back. It's, back. Been, it's been quite the hiatus. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been a bit of a gap. It's all right. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Sims, with another host, co-host, CD. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm so excited to be back uh, in the Deep Thrones recording studio, which is my basement. So it's been like over a year now, right? Since um, we've done our this? last episode, but we did like a comeback episode was over a year. So it was 2021, but then COVID happened, which was wild and then in 2019 was our last deep thrones and then we were doing the dtb podcast which never uh, made it to yeah, air that never, we made a <laughs> lot of promises we did the deep thrones book club which never made it to air listen but that's okay we we had a lot of i'm, I'm a big idea guy yeah me too the, the execution that that's your part of the pot mm-hmm. all right so i take no blame you're for very busy you're off. very busy you're hard to get a hold of you're hard to get a hold of uh some quick life updates so yeah let's update them on our lives you know uh, last year my beautiful wife sarah and i got married it was um, a great wedding thank you i i thought i thought it went off uh without a hitch it which did. is apparently rare with weddings but it's we got very lucky. rare weddings usually have some hiccups but i i was lucky enough to stand up in that wedding it was beautiful oh, yeah. Uh, we celebrated all night long. It was a great time. Smoked a cigarette. It's the first time I've ever smoked a cigarette. The DJ <laughs> gave it to me. And that's my biggest takeaway from your wedding was that I smoked a cigarette. You smoked it. it was lit, though, it, then, literally. Yeah, I ripped the dirt. <laughs> um, what else happened? Oh, we bought a house last month. Me that, and you? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> we, that's, this, this studio recording is coming from the yeah, new house. Yeah, no, Chris and uh, Sarah bought a house. Which no one tells you, like, owning owning property is super expensive. I think everyone talks about that. Dude, okay. well no one, no one told me. Yeah, um, but it is. It is it, it's kind of cool, like just going over there. You got to work on your handyman skills a little bit. I think what's cool about it too is like it's like you can be like, "This is my house, and that's my wife." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that's yeah. a cool thing to be like, "This is mine." Well, I, yeah. Well, it's 2022, so it's you know she's her own wife. You know, we. Have, <laughs> I don't know about. That. I mean, yeah, yeah, but she but she could do it too. She could be like, "That's my husband. Yeah. And this is my house." It's, I guess. Yeah, it would. I guess it would be more so both ways than yeah. her being her own wife or me being my own husband. But it's cool. Like it it's really cool. Doesn't... I think the concept of owning a house. Like I'm very jealous. That's my hashtag goal is to own my own house. Well, that, and my that's, own wife. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a bit, those are two achievable goals, yeah, I think, on uh, the horizon. One, one seems easier than other. Also, uh, forgot to mention, Happy Pride Month! Yeah, Happy everyone. Pride Month to everyone out there. It is June, um, so that's that is Pride Month. And we actually weren't even planning on necessarily releasing yet, but we'll dive more into that. So let's hear some <laughs> let's hear some life dates on your life updates on your. Oh album. man, life updates. Um, got a new job. I'm off the boats, guys. Nice. Off the perkies as well. Um, <laughs> might no. might have something to do with one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drug testing and all that. Uh, no, I'm off the boats now in sales. I uh, got a new job. Actually, I'm flying out to New Jersey next week to uh meet my new team which is exciting mm. i'll still be in chicago of course working remote big big corporate city over big here, corporate huh? guy i love i'm excited to be in new jersey the garden state i've heard nothing but awful things um <laughs> but i'm ready to debunk those people go to new jersey and love it for what it is the armpit of america <laughs> well uh one of my favorite shows of all time the sopranos of course was filmed there so it was and also you know if you see tony those ducks feed those ducks <laughs> feed, feed those, those ducks t- but other than the job the ducks tony 
what have I been up to, man? I don't know. Just very busy. Went back to school to get my degree. You yeah, know? that's right. How's it? Straight A student? Straight A student at this point, but, you know, I got the senioritis, so we'll <laughs> see how it goes. I graduate in December. Finally going to be a college grad, which is exciting. And Let's then, go. Uh, not going to lie, I've been looking forward to bringing this. Me, me and you both have been looking forward to bringing this back, but as I think everyone has seen, life has been crazy lately. Oh, yeah. But how, with House of the Dragon comes renewed hope, and we're excited to uh, to bring you guys the information and uh, talk about that show. I also want to shout you out big time for keeping the Deep Thrones social media game afloat. I love doing it. Uh, you know, it's a it's a labor of love. It's a passion of mine. Is the meme game labor of love? You heard labor it here of first. love, and it's any excuse to put my face on Instagram. I'll use it, and uh, <laughs> in your face as well, coming along with me against your will. So we'll actually uh, stay stay up to date with the Deep Thrones social media. If you don't if you don't follow now, follow at Deep Thrones Pod on Instagram. What are you doing if you don't follow now? It, honestly, like if you just we'll give them a second. Yeah, right now I'm gonna check my phone. <laughs> All right. all right, I think all right, that's, enough you, time. that's good enough time. So at Deep Thrones Pod, Pod, you're going to have all your updates there. We will be releasing a series of episodes prior to the August 21st release date of House of the Dragon. Yeah, this is it's of the um, same world as Westeros, you know, so it's going to be right in our wheelhouse here. Um, it's, you know, we, we want to give you a little bit of history. It's difficult because this story has been told in the books, unlike with Game of Thrones where... You know, they surpassed the books, but we're going to get into that about how, you know, there's some leeway with the creative things they can do. But I'm very excited. I think the trailers look visually very cool. We finally, yes. in the last trailer, got some dragon action. I, I think, you know, we, we discussed this in one of our previous episodes. I think that one where we, we took a break for about a year, we dropped an episode, kind of did like a mm-hmm. post-mortem of, of season eight in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I'm very excited for this because, first of all, when we were talking about what subject we wanted to have covered individually um, for the new Game of Thrones prequels, this was the number one choice that I had. Yeah. Was the Dance of Dragons. You know what it does is it sort of gets away from the whole Night King thing. It focuses really on, it's, it's it's a civil war, it's politicking, it's battles, it's everything you love about Game of Thrones. Um, you know, sort of how they tie the spectacle in with the politicking. But I think what House of the Dragon learned from Game of Thrones is that season one through five, you see the politics and how it, especially one through four, and how it affects the battles and how it affects all that stuff. Whereas season six through eight for Game of Thrones became informed by spectacle as opposed yeah, to the story. Absolutely. And I think that... And the, the character development went out the window. Exactly. And I think that they have learned from that mistake. And what they're going to do now for House of the Dragon is really, of course, there'll be crazy battles. There's going to be dragons. I'm excited to see ground troops going at it while battles are also taking place in the sky. We're all excited yeah. for that. But the reason this battle happens, the reason any war happens, is because of the polit- because of the implications. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and one thing that happens in the Dance of Dragons that I think is different from what we saw in Game of Thrones is there's a lot of naval action too. Not the belly okay. button. Uh, I was like, there's a fair uh, amount of naval action. <laughs> <laughs> battle yeah. at sea. So you got you got battles in the air with the dragons. You got land mm-hmm. battles, of course, with troops, and then you've got. Uh, sea battles, uh, naval battles. So just very realistic to how real wars take place, and I think too, I'm I'm excited to see some of these some of these fights and learn about these new characters. My suggestion to everyone as we begin to watch this show together 
subtitles on. I think that's yeah. actually no joke. Very yeah. helpful learning the names and learning uh, uh, sort of, you know, where people's loyalties lie. Um, I also really quickly want to give a shout out to Amelia Clark. I'm going to miss her. It's going to be weird without her for me. But I'm sure quickly... I'll find someone new. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have the utmost confidence that uh, you dude. will. I'm fill like that Dennis hole. Rodman, man. I'm like Dennis Rodman. I'm a big rebounder. <laughs> off the glass, onto another, onto the next one. Um, next man up. <laughs> another another important difference, I think, is rest assured. You well, I guess I don't want to say 100, percent but. From my understanding from reading the source material, there will be no mention or no scenes including the wall or White Walkers at all. Right. So you're you're really looking at the nitty gritty human interaction mm-hmm. that I think we all fell in love with in the first few seasons. You look at like Tyrion, Baelish, and Varys, I think those scenes are unmatched. Cersei when she was playing the game, unmatched. I think that like we like we talked about just a few moments ago, like it, it became about the spectacle versus like we all talked about it, season seven and eight characters that were really, really smart were being really, really stupid just mm-hmm. to further the story. And if you get caught in that trap, you get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> in season eight, <laughs> the writers got hammered, and you know that's I, I deservedly so. I honestly, I saw a recent interview from Peter Dinklage where he said something like, "It's a show about dragons. Get over it." And I was like, "That's such a weak yeah, answer from from my point of view." People, fans of these shows, really connect with them. Uh, whether you're a Harry Potter, Marvel, people who get into these big spectacle type shows connect with them. And it's like, it's such an easy thing for a guy who made a lot of money and won a lot of Emmys off the show to say. But the truth is, anybody worth their salt who was connected with that show should come out and be like, yeah, it sucked. Right. And I, and how many times when throughout the years you've been convincing people to watch Game of Thrones and they're just like, oh, it, it's just about dragons or it's got zombies or whatever. exactly like, no, it's it's so much he used so that. much more granular than that. <laughs> yeah, and, and for him to say that is kind of like a slap in the face for us who have dove into it. Yeah, us well, nerds, I guess who have yeah. really. Well, he never came on the time. pod, and that's I blame him. You know what? If he had come on the pod, we he wouldn't have been saying no. Shit he like would have because we would have cornered his ass. <laughs> we would have backed we him down. We would have tossed him around a little bit. We would have roughed him up. We would have roughed him up. We would have beat Peter Dinklage's ass. <laughs> Pete, um, Pete, if you're listening to this, PD, we're just kidding. Please just come playing. on. Yeah, yeah come on the podcast. Come on the pod. I, I love you, uh, Amelia Clark, to bring her along. Um, but so we, we with this episode, what we want to do is just sort of say some names that a lot of you probably won't know. I don't know that well. Chris knows them pretty well because he's uh, very well. I don't mean to insult you. Um, he, he gave me the look. He knows them very well. Um, it's a lot of new names. There's houses that don't exist anymore in Game of Thrones. This is a different period. And um, so what do you want to talk about first, Chris? How do we want to dive into this? Yeah, so you kind of hinted at it earlier. There is the source material. So the name of the book that covers extensively the Dance of Dragons is called Fire and Blood. Um, by George R. R. Martin, of That's course. That's me hitting it. I That's got it. I got hard the book copy. Right I've never opened it. Hardcover copy. I hate reading books. Um, but it's important to note that everything that is mentioned in Fire and Blood comes from different third-party sources. So we all remember as kids playing the game Telephone, right? Right. Thank you. So, I, I thought you. I thought you were speaking I mean, to the audience. To myself there. a little okay, bit. Yeah, so. guys, please answer. Call me and answer. Um, so it's a sort of like think about telephone, right? Uh, the story gets passed down from generation to generation. Naturally, things will change, right? And as you see, as Chris is about to dive into who some of these sources are, 
Um, some of them are kind of reliable. Some of them not so reliable at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives the show writers, a, a buzz of words me and Chris have been throwing around all day, creative freedom. They really can't. They're not tied to the source material. Also, I'll touch on this real quick before Chris gets into these sources. Look at uh, the movie The Shining with Jack Nicholson. Based on Stephen King's book, genuinely nothing like the book. In fact, Stephen King hated it because he said, he's like, oh, this is nothing at all like the book. And I think George R. R. Martin's in a place, too, where he wouldn't care at all. Um, yeah, I mean, well, he just isn't going to give us the final book of the series. He's collecting checks, he man. Doesn't care. He's yeah. collecting checks. But but to your point, though, The Shining, the movie, ended up being one of the most critically acclaimed films. Yeah, I mean, Stanley Kubrick did it his own way uh, as the director, and he had Jack Nicholson, and it's completely different from the books, but it's one of the greatest films of all time. And what he did was he took a really interesting concept that Stephen King created, and he said, okay, I can... I can create my own world around this. Now, the show writers can do that. They also can follow the books pretty close, Mm -hmm. but it gives them that wiggle room to be like, all right, we can include this. We can bring this house in and all that stuff. Um, what, wh- give us a note, Chris, about who these sources are. Yeah, so um, your first source is going to be Grandmaster Grand Runciter. Who... First off, Grandmaster Runciter sounds like a guy who just has a wedgie. I might just, I might just call him Runcy because that's, like, that, that, that's, that's a lot to That's a lot to get off the tongue. Grandmaster right Runciter is a guy who got bullied hard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he got beat up. But he would be considered our most reliable source because he's the most logical um, and one of the most uh, learned. Impartial too? Does he have loyalties? So he he does have loyalties and he does have times mm. where he comes off more favorable to one side or the other to make himself kind of save face. <sighs> but age. the most important mm-hmm. thing to note about this source is that he wrote years later after the Dance of Dragons. See, that's that's what we're talking about. That's where you get the creative freedom is the source material. Like imagine if you experienced an event and then you wrote about it 20 years later. Right. You'd miss some things or you'd maybe exaggerate some things. Exactly. You know, if I was writing about my life as 80, I'd be like, I was slaying left and right, <laughs> laying down that 12 inch, that 12 inch, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's sometimes you lie. Right. And, and that brings us perfectly into our next source, who is a court jester called Mushroom. Now, Mushroom is uh, a little person who's a court jester. We'll call him Shrooms for short. And, well, Mushroom isn't as hard to get off the tongue as Runciter is. I like Runciter, though. But Mus- Mushroom is a little more vivacious. He adds yeah. a lot more color to his stories, and he adds a lot more, um, I guess, I just, crude elements to he's, his he's stories. He's squirrely. I think, when he I think is, of Mushroom, oh, yeah. I think of a guy, he's slipping in and out. He's sort of a chandelier girl in his own right, but he's a guy. He's a chandelier boy. Boy. Yeah. boy. And he's, you know, he's sliding in and out, and he's whispering in your ear some crude things, and he's running, he's scampering off. That, that, that is Mushroom. He's like a squirrel with an agenda. And he, he very much inflates uh, stories about himself. Topical, so you'll, topical you'll inflation. See him, <laughs> you'll see him insert himself into stories that the yeah. other sources don't even mention his name. Which I actually like this source. And I, I you, well, he, so he was alive during the dance. Yeah, so this, so so this is a, this is a, a little mushy primary, in the show. I guess it's, he's not a third-party source. Mushrooms a primary source. Oh, I remember the last time I did mushrooms, I cried and threw up. That that sounds sounds like, like a, a blast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then our last source is Septon Eustace, who again, hmm. you know, he's going to take sides. I, I believe. That, didn't didn't the the religious folk have loyalties in this in this dance? Well, so Mushroom was part of 
Queen Rhaenyra's court. Okay, so again, loyalty. Septon Eustace was part of King Aegon's court. Which was the Greens. Yes. We'll get into that in a little bit. We'll Sorry, get into that, but yeah. just know for now that they are rivals. Mm. So, you know, your Septon Eustace will have some of those Greens in a better lighting than what Mushroom would have them in. Yeah, and right now, so we have these three sources, right, who are prevalent in the history books that we know. I hope that the show sort of has them in it. Because you can see sort of like, like you can, then you know the real truth. You know what I mean? You'll be yeah. able to see like, all right, Mushroom is full of shit. Um, and, and along that line, you heard us reference the greens. There are two sides, the greens and the blacks. Right. So when we say the blacks, we're talking about this <laughs> side. All right? Yeah, yeah. We got to be careful Tur- with that. It turns out, it turns out Sheedy is pretty anti-black. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is, I'm anti-Rhaenyra's side. I... I've, in my reading, favor the green side a little bit. Chris favors the black side a little bit. <laughs> uh, and it has nothing to do with anything other than the color of dresses it's based on. Alicent Hightower, who I'm sort of keen on, wore a green dress. That's why she's the leader of the queens. And Rhaenyra... The, 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 the greens. The greens. And Rhaenyra Targaryen wore a black dress, so she's the leader of the blacks. And And we'll get into... When and where and how that all kind of culminated. Yeah, but I just wanted to go on record so that if you hear me say something, I'm probably... I'm going to come up with like a different phrase than the blacks. I don't like saying that. Yeah, yeah no, you're just going to have to live with it and all, <laughs> everything that comes along with it. Yeah. And every time I'm losing an argument, just, defending the blacks, like I'm just going to call you racist. Yeah, probably. there's nothing then, I can do about it. All right. <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it, really. It's tough. It's a tough look. So um, a little bit of a prologue here. For those of us who aren't maybe as in-depth into the Westeros world as we are, uh, the Targaryens were the kings of Westeros, kings and queens of Westeros, prior to Baratheons taking over in yeah. what we saw in Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, the, there's two Targaryens left. It's Daenerys and her brother, right? And, and Jon Snow, I guess, technically. But so Robert's anti-Bareth or anti-Targaryen, but he was the first non-Targaryen king in over 300 years. Mm-hmm. Aegon, the Conqueror, came to Westeros because, I don't know, he was tired of Essos and he was like, I'm coming over here. Okay. <laughs> or he lived on Dragonstone, didn't he? So uh, A- Aegon's, Aegon's grandfather um, left... Valeria, because Which, because his sister, some one of the females in the line, had a vision, had a dream, yeah, that the doom of Valeria was coming, which was volcanoes and dragons fighting, and basically Valeria just becoming Exploded. uninhabitable. And it and it happened. It did happen. And Valeria was in Essos. He moved to Dragonstone, which of course is part of the Westeros continent. If you look at it in that respect. And he chilled there for a little bit, and lo and behold, the doom of Valeria did happen. These volcanoes erupted. Um. And, you know, next thing you know, all the dragons and dragon lords, essentially, except Targaryens, have been wiped out. Right. And, and then Aegon is his grandson, who looked at Westeros, saw these seven quarreling kings and these seven quarreling kingdoms, and thought, none of them have dragons. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went on to basically rapidly conquer the seven kingdoms, minus yeah. Dorne, who... Right. They put up a fight for a while. Dorne put up a fight for a long time. And actually, during this period, Dorne is its own separate kingdom. 
And right. by this period, I mean what's being covered in House of the Dragon. Right, which is about 150 years after Aegon's conquest, we'll say. Right. Just a ballpark. It's probably like 150 to 200, but right. Viserys had a pretty decent reign. If you look to Aegon's, Aegon's conquest, too, he was actually a pretty fair guy. If you bent the knee, he was like, all right, this is where the Iron Throne comes from. He took all of his enemies' swords and melded the Iron Throne out of it, yada, yada, yep. yada, yada, yada. Boom. King Viserys, many generations after. <laughs> it's, it's important to take away from that one the targaryens wed sister to brother so aegon was married to actually both of his sisters visenya and rhaenys who aided in the conquest with their dragons um but two wives my god where does he find the time <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, remember that later on we'll talk about some things where that actually uh, has some major implications but the targaryens as we know from watching the show uh into that into that Keeping it in the family, which we've seen in history with royalty, they do that. Yeah, the Habsburgs ended up. What what do they call it? The Habsburg jaw, where it gets all oh really massive. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Are, are, are technically is like Queen Elizabeth's family descended from inbreeding? Yeah, but they they, they started they cut it off. Yeah, because you can't. But there's you, you know, know what? Some... It's sort of like you could do so much crack, but once you stop, <laughs> it's like you might have you're over the line, you know. <laughs> Yeah, somewhere down the line, their genes definitely do still cross over. For sure. Look at that guy. Look at Will, man. He's got something going on. His, his jaw is like a compass. It's always facing north. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> so now fast forward to 101 AC, which is after Conquest. Con- 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 okay. There's a great council that's being held. It's toward the end of Jaehaerys' reign, who is he's called yeah. Jaharis the conciliator but really all you need to know about him was that he was a great king he brought the realm back together and mended it peaceful peaceful uh once he achieved that peace was he, he the one who would actually take the dragon to different he would ride his dragon to yep. different areas and it was never very threatening it wasn't threatening at all he would drive it and people would cheer and he'd go to the north he'd go to the westerlands and he'd do do the rounds yep and these were the original fireside chats it, they, they were yeah fireside chats literally it's the dragon or, was the um, fire. um what do you call those in ancient rome where they did the triumphs and they would kind of oh, just yes. walk through with their with their soldiers and stuff that's cool um so that so that was good it, the targaryen name kind of kind of bounced back and became one with westeros through his reign yeah now the Great Council was because Jaehaerys did not have a clear successor. His two oldest sons died. So, oh God! So now mesothelioma. So, <laughs> yeah, if you were a loved one, has <laughs> mesothelioma. So again, lots of names, lots of uh, years and stuff being thrown. You're going to hear you. a lot of Horuses, Anuses. Rainus, Aegon's, yeah. Magons. Yeah, exactly. It's, you just be prepared for that, I would say. So you have the Great Council of 101 is deciding who the heir is going to be. And people came in from all over Westeros. You have thousands of lords there. This is really yeah. where you start seeing the roots of what's to come in the Dance of Dragons War. And very close, the closest we see to like... It's not very democratic because it's the the top echelon are there, mm-hmm. but close to a democracy where people are at least allowed to throw their opinion out. Yeah, it's it's similar to what happened at the end of Game of Thrones, only not as lame. Right, only it wasn't like Sam wasn't there for some reason. Yeah. Be like, who gives a fuck what this guy thinks? Yeah, it was the actual uh, upper echelon of every family. The, like Chris said, the lords and ladies were there. And again, because it's history and it takes place in a medieval time, mostly it was the lords. Right. Um, you know, the male opinion was so significant back then. Um, and 
they all were gathering around to sort of decide who would take over after Jaharis. So you have two... Was Jaharis dead at this point? No, he okay. was not. But he was very old, so he stayed in King's Landing while this was going on. Which is cool. He's like, I don't have a, 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 a horse in the race. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it. it happened at Hall actually, which is a f- place Great. we're familiar with. Love Hall. Now, even Hall wasn't big enough to hold all these people. The most important things to take away from this is that you're looking at the concept of primogeniture, which in monarchical terms means down the line of the first son. Oh, you guys are fucking learning some shit. <laughs> okay, so so primogeniture, you're thinking first son. Jaharis's first son died, right? So yeah. are we looking at his son's heirs, right? So that would be Rhaenys Targaryen was, I guess I'll have to throw out another name here. Forgive me. Aemon was Jaharis's son who died, and his daughter was Rhaenys. Right. And that was easy his only issue, okay? So then Rhaenys married Corlys Valerian, who I'll talk about in depth soon. But just know, Rhaenys' line was one of the choices to be selected as the next king. And then you have Jaehaerys' younger son, whose name was Balon, who also died. But Balon's son was Viserys. So you have the concept of primogeniture would favor Aemon's daughter, Rhaenys, and then her, her first son. Okay, I know that this is a lot. This is a lot. I'm not, laughing, I'm not laughing because of because of that. I'm laughing because every time you say primo ginger, I'm thinking of a primo a primo joke. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, again, lot to throw at you, but you have Rhaenys and her son versus Viserys, right? Um, the Lords of Westeros just decide on this can't pass through a woman. It's got to go from male to male. So we favor Viserys. That's decided at the Great Council. Jaehaerys respects that decision. So now the heir to the Iron Throne is Viserys I Targaryen. And again, this is one of those things that we're going to talk about a lot. Not at all our personal opinions. It's a medieval show, so sexism is rampant. Um, I think that's something that you know we'll discuss ad nauseum. Um, obviously we live in an advanced society where, I mean, where sexism still exists today, which yeah, we're trying to at least, sadly. uh, comment on and notice and, and verbalize. But and it doesn't exist on this podcast. No, not on this podcast at all. We are two, well, we're two guys, but we have female guests a lot. That's true. And we, if you want to be a female guest, come on. We also, we also just don't even like, I don't even know. I, I what are your pronouns? I don't know. Uh, well, he, uh, he, him. All right. What are yours? I'm going Chris Sims. <laughs> First and last name. I would love on your LinkedIn if it said your name and then Chris Dash Sims. So it's Chris Sims, Chris Dash Sims. They're yeah. just kind of like, okay. My, co- my confirmation name is Christopher. I loved Chris so much that I chose yeah. it twice. So Mine is Thomas, which I, if I could do it again, I would do like a weirder name. Like, well, we'll, that, we'll that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, we'll save it. Okay. Now, uh, quick offshoot Corliss Valerian. Who is Rhaenys's husband? And this is this is. Were you go, ahead, no, go ahead. Go um, ahead. This is one of the reasons why Rhaenys's claim was bolstered. Corlys Valerian was one of the most influential, most powerful characters in the Seven Kingdoms. Um, House Valerian is one of House Targaryen's oldest allies. They actually yeah. hail from mm-hmm. Valyria, just like the Targaryens do. House Valerian was not on Game of Thrones. No. 
Were you going to say something? I was going to say, if you watch the trailers, Corliss Valerian is prominent prominent in the trailers. He's mm-hmm. quite a bit. He's the sea snake. Great boat captain. He is uh, African-American. Long white hair to symbolize that he's from Val- Valeria, which is where all these white-haired Targaryen types are from. Uh, and he is married to Rhaenys. Rhaenys. And now, a little bit of background on Corliss. Um, he was a captain at age 16, which is extremely young to become a captain even back then. Um, he voyaged the Shivering Sea, which is north of the Wall. He went to these places, far out places, Norvos, Lorath, uh, went south around Essos, past Karth to Shy by the Shadow. Basically was doing all this while collecting wealth for House Valerian, which set them up as the most powerful and richest house during that time period. And it was for a short period of years. Um, as you'll see by their lack of attention in Game of Thrones, they aren't yeah, nearly yeah. what they were. Look at, But also look at Game of Thrones, um, and you look at like the Iron Fleet of House Greyjoy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this is like an apples to oranges situation where I think that fleet doesn't even compare to what Valerian Corliss had built up. Absolutely not. Because this is not just, you know, those guys where we pay the iron price. Corliss was like, he was building up uh, caches of gold, goods, riches. Like he was like, if, you know, it's not sort of the grimy uh, pillage nature of the Greyjoys. It was more, I'm going to build a genuine, essentially naval uh, military. <laughs> yeah, mil- m- naval military might and also uh, a massive merchant fleet. It's, it's sort of comparing the, the Greyjoys would be like pirates in comparison to the British Royal Navy of that time. You that's, know? that's a good comparison there. Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if it doesn't, if you already aren't impressed by Corliss Valerian, he took the one castle that House Valerian had and doubled that right so mm. um i forget which one came first it was either high tide or um well wow. i love the sound of it high tide that's cool high tide, yeah, high sticking cool. with the boat themes guys this guy's this guy fucking loves water <laughs> um and it, wow i'm forgetting the name of the other castle but anyways he cool. bought he built two castles on the valerian island and then also two towns sprouted up purely because of his merchant um prowess so this guy really just made House Valerian a major player on the West Rose scene. I think their other castle, I think, was Driftmark. Driftmark, yes. Good call. I believe. Good call. Yeah. High Titan Driftmark. Which, not to be confused with the Tarly Castle, which is Skidmark. <laughs> Woo, boys, we're back. We're back. You can see how he's looking at me. He wants to punch me. <laughs> Smangwell Tarly. Yeah, Smangwell Tarly. Oh, his is definitely Skidmark. <laughs> So now, all you need to know after that long digression was that Corlys Valerian was slighted at this point in time. So that's yeah. that's strike one for Corlys Valerian there. Okay, so we could go ahead and fast forward. Jaehaerys dies. Viserys is named king. See, I think this, the Skidmark joke—they needed a palate cleanser, you know, because they're like, "Oh, we're trying to learn. We're getting educated. We need Sheedy to interject with something really stupid." And that's what I bring. This <laughs> keep, is why I get forty-nine percent of this podcast. <laughs> you know what? For all the crap, I don't know. A lot of you guys may have listened from episode one. I really but hope I, you did. I got some crap from from the West Rose History Minute. Now that now you're getting a whole episode of West well, Rose History. I did that, and and now going forward, we're bringing Westeros History Minute back, and it's going to be elongated because it is a crucial part because we want to be your source for Game of Thrones knowledge and Skidmark jokes, and I think we strike that balance well. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we're filling that niche perfectly. We are. We are. You know what? You guys going to work. Life is stressful. You need an hour to just decompress, listen to a fantasy world. 
That's us. That's what we do. I think Mark Cuban's investing in us. Right I've now. heard that. Yeah, we wanted the Shark Tank. Uh, Mr. O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, he's interested. Uh, those other guys. Yeah, there. but he's always tossing around those bad deals. So he does. Yeah, he, he was very. He's like, he give me forty percent, two hundred thousand dollars paid back over the court. It was all. It was very predatory. Yeah. So, anyways, we turned all of them down because we knew we were going to make millions. Listen, raising canes, breathing down our necks. Um, Culver's, we're making them. They're actually going at it right now. They're going hard in the paint, seeing who can sponsor us. Um, yeah, don't sleep on either of those two places. They're very good. They'll kill eat, you. Eat both. <laughs> They'll kill. <laughs> They'll kill. Fucking murder. You. All right. So fast forward to the reign of Viserys. Now, King Viserys is an amiable king, peaceful. But he's kind of a go-with-the-flow type yeah, of guy. he's kind of a blame duck king, right? Push he's over, a pushover. Man. He's kind of like Jimmy Carter, a very smart, kind man, but not a good president. Yeah. You know, just not a good leader, but a really nice guy. He does have one good thing going for him. His small council was actually... Loaded. Loaded, and they and they weren't they weren't like overly power-hungry until one was, um, but they, they ran the kingdom well. It was a good, like, a good draft class. His small council yeah. was like, he had a yeah. good, strong uh, council. And like Chris said, if you look at uh, the Game of Thrones council, you had Pycelle in it for himself. You had Baelish in it for himself. You had Varys in it for the realm, but he's playing games. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, I mean, you look early on, you had Renly, who sort of, like, as soon as Robert died, tried to take the throne. So you get these guys who... You know, it's it's who do you who do you put with yourself? You know, who do you surround yourself with? And Varys had uh, guys who were like, Viserys. all right, let's Viserys had guys who were like, all right, let's lead well, let's actually do the thing. Absolutely, and and he also kept people happy through a ton of attorneys. The mm. I mean, he kept everyone wealthy. He was very generous. So there there were good things about his reign for sure. And that's the thing, like the attorneys also though play a huge part into the greens and blacks thing, right? Yeah. That's sort of where we started to get allegiances, and, and that's how it happens, right? But at this point, Viserys, right, yep. is single. Uh, Viserys is married to Emma Aaron. She passes away at some point? She passes away, so... Miso, miso the So <laughs> he, he has a couple daughters, um, which Rhaenyra is the premier daughter, right? She's, she's, yeah, she's top right. That's that's who you want to. Rhaenyra's. If you're going to take one name away from all this, Rhaenyra Targaryen. Rhaenyra is Targaryen. Very prominent in the commercials, the trailer. She's with uh, Daemon. We'll get into all that. And one of his major problems is he can't seem to have a son. So that obviously, after knowing what you know about the Great Councils. And people saying you need to have a son in order for the line to pass through um, yeah. to to be an heir. Well, now Emma dies shortly after she gives birth to a stillborn son yeah. who doesn't make it, um, and then he decides to name Rhaenyra his heir. Right. We saw that in the trailer. We see Corlys Velaryon, we see a Stark, and we see a Baratheon all pledge fealty to. Rhaenyra Targaryen, who at this point in the trailers, a young girl, time will jump because we see Rhaenyra as an older woman and then a young girl, not an old woman, but an older girl, I guess, and a young girl. So we know there will be time jumps, but we see all these lords from Westeros pledge fealty to her. Yes. And meaning that when Viserys dies, she will be queen. Yes. And that and that is undisputed queen because at this point she's not married either. So and that's going to happen unless 
people play the game of thrones and try to steal the throne now it's important to note that that smart small council that we just mentioned brought up on multiple occasions well the great council just said we can't have the the heirship pass on to a daughter we it has to go through a male and so that's been reminded to Viserys. Viserys is hard-headed in this in this matter and says, I don't care. We need to have an heir. I don't have a son. So we're going to have an heiress and it's going to be Rhaenyra. And, and at that point, it's like more more power to him. That's a pretty cool move. That's a very forward-thinking yeah. move. And he was like, fuck it. This is, this is my daughter. Why not her? And, and this is one of those, you know, today it wouldn't be a problem. But right. in this mythical medieval world. Oh, it'd be a problem for me because I don't bow to royalty. <laughs> yes, as Americans, as Americans, as a red-blooded, as a red-blooded American, <laughs> the only thing I bow to is a Ford F one fifty. One of those pickups that could haul a fucking airplane. So now you have Damon Targaryen, who, keep in mind, knows that it should go through a mail based on this Great Council's decision. Damon is Rhaenyra's uncle. Yes, and Viserys's brother and lover. Later on, not at this point. Okay. <laughs> not at this point. So, Damon's like, okay, this is it. This is my shot. I'm going to be the heir. Like, I don't care what anyone says. He's walking around like a hot shot. He has all these quarrels with Viserys, and they're mm. over kind of stupid stuff. Um, yeah. When, well, I guess this isn't really stupid. This is pretty serious. When Viserys' son died at birth, apparently Damon was making jokes about, like, the king for a day. And like super pumped and drunk that he didn't have a boy because now he could still have a shot at being the the next king. Power hungry people. Which is kind of messed up, obviously. Um, he also had problems with Damon because Damon didn't care about his wife who was out in the Vale and was having this affair with another character that was in the trailer, Misery, Miseria, um, who goes by Misery the White Worm. When you mm. think of her, you could kind of think of her as like a Varys type, kind of behind the scenes. It's like almost, is it a cross between like a Varys and a Mel? Yes. Does she have any ties to Lords of Lights or gods not, of? Not that's addressed in the Fire and Blood books, but it. it I it mean, could. it very well could, could go down that way. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's important to know that Viserys and Damon were kind of at odds, but they still loved each other as brothers. But. Damon always wanted to be the heir. He wanted that throne, man. It's sort of very similar to... There's a great scene in Game of Thrones where Stannis talks to Davos about how he held Storm's End and then Robert gave it to Renly. You know what I mean? It's very much the slighted brother thing. Um, And, you know, I think that there's more love here than there was between Stannis and Robert, maybe. Yeah. But uh, it's just... It's one of those things where lineage matters, heir matters, your your heir matters... Um, and, but at this point, all these people have pledged to Rhaenyra Targaryen. And and some of those important names to note are a lot of the same names that we talked about in the Great Council. So these houses, Stark, um, yeah. you have, I mean, the, the Blackwoods were one of them, but they're a smaller house. Early uh, on, the Starks won't Aaron. be so prominent, probably. Right, yeah. But they still are the Wardens of the North. So. Which, which will be cool to see because in Fire and Blood this early, the Starks aren't mentioned much. Yeah. However, they could. I mean, you know, in Game of Thrones, there are different storylines in different locations. Bounce around. So they might actually have some cool sea. stuff. Yeah. They might, they, listen, They that's one of those things with the creative freedom. They can do what they think is best to make... To bring this story to life, yeah, and and honestly, I'm looking. I'm, I'm honestly hoping that they do do that. I think a lot of it will be obviously Targaryen centric, but if you watch 
Game of Thrones. We bounce from house to house. I hope they right. do that. I hope we see what the Lannies out west are thinking. We see what the Starkies up north. Are. I'm just going to add a Y to everything. <laughs> <laughs> so now Damon and Viserys are really button heads over these series of slights. Damon pieces out. He goes to a war council on uh, high tide at high tide, and basically says, "Corlys Valerian, let's go take over the Stepstones. Let's really control this flow of goods from Essos to Westeros." The Stepstones are a series of islands, essentially between Essos and Westeros. Right. Right. And, so and this is... yeah, so you basically will have to cross through the Stepstones. In order to trade with King's Landing, White Harbor, like all these... They're essentially going to pigeonhole it, right? And be like, you want to go there? You got to come through us kind of thing. Right. And keep in mind, this territory is occupied right now by what's called the Triarchy, which we don't really need to dive into. But no. just know that that's part of a uh, allied, um, I guess, a allied triarchy of it's three of the free yeah. cities. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, it's LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it wasn't easy by any means to take over this territory of the Stepstones. But with the dragon, um, that definitely helps. And like we mentioned before, the Valerian fleet was very strong. So they were able to do this. I really hope that it's covered. There seems to be, uh, in, the, in the trailer, again, this is all prediction, um, Daemon is getting after it quite a bit. And... This early in the Dance of Dragons, the only thing, or at least in the Fire and Blood storyline, really the only thing that he could be doing is that. Yeah, it's 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 got to be either the War on the Stepstones or some sort of tourney melee. Yeah. So he definitely is in a tourney fight, but there's also one where he's just in in with no helmet on his club in the guy. <laughs> so so that's gotta yeah. be a stepstone move. Yeah. Potentially. So and and we're thinking maybe. Well, you know what? I'll save what I think is going to be the breakdown. We can make a prediction on what where season one ends and begins, yeah. and things. That's like a great. That. That's a great point. Uh, I would. I would like to do that as well. So where we're at now is that you're you're sort of seeing who these characters are, hearing these names that will be really prominent in season one. Again, you kind of have to throw what you know out the window a little bit because this is pre Game of Thrones. So you know, if you're worried about the Starks and the Lannisters, they do factor in but they're not prominent this early and even when they are involved they're not necessarily prominent they're kind of the side characters now you're gonna learn names like hightower as yeah. chris said i think blackwood earlier uh you know valerion yeah. significant names that you a million targaryens a, a bajillion targaryens <laughs> Which billions, is which is cool. And billions you, and billions and billions. It is cool. We're gonna get we're gonna get fresh faces, fresh houses, fresh names, mm -hmm. and, and I'm excited for that. And one of the freshest, Alicent Hightower. So, this so lady. now let's let, we can actually dive in and we can start mm, breaking down. I think we've got a good kind of background. We've given them a good how base. these guys interact, how these guys and girls interact. Um, I think let's dive into the tourney that was separating the green and the black. So yes, there's a tournament in King's Landing, one of the many tournaments that King Viserys holds. This guy is a party animal. This guy loves throwing tournaments. He loves mixing it up. He's that guy who's like open, open door policy, man. You come show <laughs> up. He's always got the beer pong going. <laughs> and, and this of course is fast forwarded after Viserys's first wife, Emma dies and he marries Alicent Hightower, who, who is, is the, the daughter, daughter of, of Otto the, Hightower. Of Otto Hightower, who's the hand of the king. Right. 
Okay, which so, is awkward. He's like, "Hey, buddy, your daughter there. What's your deal there, buddy?" <laughs> well, I think it was more so. Obviously, I think Otto had a lot more to do with pushing Allison onto Viserys mm. than than what's portrayed. A grab for power, potentially. That's it. In my opinion, I think we'll see it all. Yes. That's the cool part. We'll see it played out. We'll in the see show. it happen live. Uh, this is the second slide against Cor- Corlys Valerian. Remember that for later on, because again, his daughter was passed up for Allison. For Allison. And Corliss, keep in mind, this guy is a hardworking dude, does a lot of work for the realm. You does, know? I mean, brought so much money into the realm. Brought it brought endless amounts of gold to the Targaryen fortune. I mean, these and tourneys that are being thrown, you got to think, that's a lot of Valerian gold. Continuously gets passed over. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he still does his duty, but, you know, he's, he's, he's noting it. He's, he's journaling about it that night. He's like, dear diary, so now, what gives? So now Alicent has a kid. With Viserys, and guess what? It's a boy. Oh, boy. It's a boy. (laughs) The king now has a son, but he doesn't change the line of accession. He still swears by Rhaenyra being the heiress. Right, and all those kings years earlier, this is probably about some, some years earlier, right, had already pledged, all those lords, I should say, had already pledged fealty to her as the heir. Uh, heiress and but then this little boy little boy gets in the mix (laughs) so now you clearly have two parties that develop you have the queen's party which is rhaenyra the blacks or i'm sorry actually the way that they say it in the books is the queen's party is allison and her son and then you have the princess party which is rhaenyra Damon, Damon, and Corlys and Rhaenys. Yeah. So then you have this tournament that's thrown, and this is where the names green, greens, and blacks come in. Um, Rhaenyra walks in, and this is this is all making a statement of we're the legitimate ones. Like I'm going to dress the most like lavish. Yeah. So Rhaenyra wears a bold black dress with some red accent and rubies everywhere. Boom, she's popping. The I'm Targaryen are flashing. The yes. paparazzi of the time were like, oh, goodness, you know, let's send some ravens of this. But and then, then Allison, Allison shows up. This thing is green AF. With gold and, and just looking. Mm-mm-mm. You know, both both of them have their Sunday's finest on. Yeah, they're this. both looking nice. And you know then, what I mean? Their entourages are rolling deep. And They're now you chopping have, it up with the crowd, dapping them up. You know what I mean? Ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> On God, fam, I feel you. Oh, but Rhaenyra's bussing. <laughs> uh, no cap. And then that's where you have the greens and blacks come in. Green, Team Allison, Team Aegon. Blacks, Team Rhaenyra, Team Daemon, Team Corlys, Valerian. Okay, so yeah. now from here on out, we will refer to them as greens and blacks. Yes. <laughs> So, if you guys are listening to this, just relax. Have fun. <laughs> Enjoy it. We're going to be we're going to use our platform responsibly. And last thing to note before I kind of wrap everything up with this episode as far as the history aspect goes, Sir Kristen Cole is one of the King's Guard. Um I'm not sure where in the timeline it falls in, but he ends up becoming the Lord Commander of the King's Guard. He was, at one point in time, Rhaenyra's personal protector, and they allegedly had some sort of affair. It's not really um, agreed upon in the, in, the, in the source material. Allegedly. They're just trying to tear my man down. But, <laughs> but they had a major falling out, so much so to the point where Kristen Cole became one of, her, one of Rhaenyra's biggest rivals and basically ended up being a kingmaker later on for Aegon, who was Alicent's son. Right. He... he, he essentially just switch sides because his his 
woman got woman got stolen from him essentially by by Damon. Or or she left because yeah, I'm very curious really to see know. how the show plays it. Yeah, how that they, they play that little angle. If uh, hopefully they, they have to address it. Yeah, one hundred percent address it. That's one of the most pre- pivotal moments, I think. Yeah, because he becomes a, a crucial character for the Greens. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like he becomes like the Greens, one of the he's Greens muscle. commanding. I mean, he's the Lord Commander of the King's Guard. He's a strong boy. So he, he definitely lifts. So there, we'll 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 pause on the Westeros history stuff. There. Yeah, how you guys feeling? You guys doing good? You guys still with us? Cleanser? Yeah, way. you guys still alive? <laughs> Take a quick, do a shot or something. Unless you're at work, you'll get fired. But yeah, that's that's a lot of history. But we felt it. Cru- we honestly felt it crucial. We we were like. We can't go into this show raw. We need to yeah. get you guys sort of educated because I, I will be honest with you. I've learned a lot in this episode too. Let's let's just put it like this. We could have said in a social media post, pick up Fire and Blood and read it. Or we could save you the four or five hours you'd spend reading just that stuff that I went over. And just yeah. kind of spew it out to you. And listen to it through your ear holes. And, and let, listen to our silky smooth voice. We know you... We, We've missed you. We hope you've missed us. We've seen your comments on our posts. We I haven't. I haven't missed you. I have. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is my moon and my stars. Chris has his own responsibilities outside of this podcast. I had to wrangle. I had to offer him money to do. It. No, I'm kidding. This was actually his idea today. So we're actually we're, we are all jokes Very aside. Excited. We're excited to be back. August 21st is episode one of the show. Yes, and we will. We will have I think three or four of these. Before that, I'm not going to make any promise on numbers because our promises get broken. (laughs) That's true. That's true. That being said, with the premiere date, August 21st, what are your predictions for, as far as everything we have there, what do you have season one going starting in Indy? So there could potentially be spoilers here. So if you genuinely don't want to hear this, you've listened this far, we've already gotten the view on Spotify, you can go ahead and hang up. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't (laughs) matter. But subscribe first. But subscribe, like, share with your family and friends. Um, so this is what I'm going to say, and this is the only spoiler I'm going to throw out there is if the line of what's it called? The line of succession succession matters. And we know there's a civil war over this line of succession. And obviously King Viserys days are potentially numbered. He's probably a Robert Baratheon type, right? Which in season one, Robert Baratheon, God rest his soul died and that sort of kicked off the game very similar here i think viserys's death i'm curious if they do it because robert died i think i want to say episode six i'm curious if it happens that soon or if this is the pivotal moment at the end of season one because the pivotal moment in season one is ned stark getting killed in game of thrones i wonder if this is the robert baratheon death or if he lasts a little longer and this is the pivotal moment that's where i'm at i really don't know yeah because i don't know then what's from the dance how quickly the dance kicks off if enough things happen quick enough after that for it to justify him dying early in the season that that's a great point so so you're saying you're basically saying i'm torn He's going down season one. The question yeah. is, does it happen episode six, or is he the episode nine? Yeah. Which is always the penultimate episode of, in Thrones history at least, nine is always the one where shit gets going. Mixed up, yeah. yeah. So I will... I think one of the, the major deciding factors here is, are they going to play this as a linear story? So we've seen in the trailer that they have the younger versions of the main characters 
and then the older yeah. ones. Time is going to be jumping. So, you know, I, I mean, are they going to play it linear and have them start young and then fast forward? Or are we going to see situations where they're going to be older and then we flash back? I know that in Game of Thrones, they tried to stay away from the flashbacks early on, but then they ended up doing it pretty heavily yeah. later on. So oh, that, that, that will be a telling situation. My prediction is we start with one of the tourneys. Right. Possibly the one in King's Landing where we decide greens and blacks. Yes. Um, so that's my prediction there for the start. And then if we have some flashbacks, which I'm sure we'll have to because there's a lot of stuff that we missed there, I I 100% want to see Damon Targaryen and Cor- Corlys Valerian on the Stepstones. Yeah, like I think they got to throw that. If they just wash over that and they had like some ravens coming from the Stepstones or... You know, just a mention of it. I'm, I will be very disappointed. So everything I've read would indicate that they genuinely, because these are show guys who had parts in Game of Thrones. They directed an episode or they produced an episode here or there. I think, though, when they looked at what D&D did, they learned from those mistakes and said, we're not going to do what those guys did. I think these writers are in it for the long haul, and they understand the value of sticking the landing on this thing. And I think they also understand that the bread and butter... Listen, if for all shows to be successful, you need to reach uh, past your audience. But the bread and butter of Game of Thrones was pleasing their audience. Yeah. And I think these guys understand that. And I think they understand that the Stepstones is something people would want to see. I, I Hopefully. Who knows? But hopefully they have that wherewithal to be like, for Game of Thrones to catch them, the first thing you got to catch with this show are those Thrones fans that are hurt from Game of Thrones. And once you get them, that's when the buzz gets going, the Emmys come, and it branches out. So I'll, I'll, I'll actually have to disagree with you there. I think when Game of Thrones started to try to do some crowd-pleasing was kind of when stuff dropped off. I think, I think the reason why so many people fell in love with Game of Thrones was because you never knew what was going to happen. Your favorite character could get ripped from you in, in an episode. Um, they didn't really care. I mean, how many people did you? They were like, "Oh, I'm gonna stop watching Thrones after after the." Well, it's been a long time after yeah. the Red Wedding. All oh, right, for sure, like for if sure. you're getting pissed at me about that spoiler, we're gonna no, have problems. Who cares? <laughs> we spoil everything. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll you know, everyone. But no, you know no, what no, I mean, though. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I think I think the less that they try to appeal to fans with their approach saying. to this, I think I it's think, gonna be better. I, I get what you're saying. That I'm not saying give them fan service. I'm just saying give them the full picture. You know what I mean? Right, yes. Give them the history that they deserve. Where it's like, you know, like you said, if it's a raven coming in, it's like, okay. Yeah. You know, you have the budget. Yeah, Show the step zones. Show us what's happening. You know, don't don't beat around the bush. I mean, if you look in early season Game of Thrones when they couldn't really... I mean, before the Battle of the Blackwater, you didn't see Robb Stark in the Whispering Wood. The Tyrion battle, he gets knocked out. You don't see that. They really tried to be creative because they didn't necessarily have the budget. This show... We know does have the budget. Yes, we've been told. And they've it got time the blueprints. They, I mean, yeah. one of the biggest directors is one of the directors, Michael Sipachnik, who, who did um, who did not the Battle of the Bastards. He did, he did or he did. He did that. And then he and also he did, did the Long Night. What was the one? The North of the Wall, Hard Home. He Hard did that too. He did all the sort of really impressive cinematic episodes. Yeah. So they've got the capability to be able to play some things out on screen. Yeah. So so my prediction. I think there's going to be a lot to fill during, let's say, seasons one or season one episodes one through eight, 
And then I think in episode, either toward the end of episode eight or episode nine, I think we see Viserys pass away. Um, and then I think yep. that following the rest of that is going to be Alicent, Otto Hightower, yeah. The Greens trying to keep the peace. The Blacks trying to respond and keep the peace. Yeah. But also saying... Tensions are high. Hey, I'm Queen Rhaenyra. Hey, I'm King Aegon. Right. Pledge fealty to me, but let's not go to blows yet. A thing I wanted to point out from the trailer was Otto Hightower talking to his daughter, Allison, who I'm privy to. I think she's very pretty. Her name in real life is Olivia Cook, very similar to Amelia Clark. So almost like it was meant to be. Um, she... Uh, She's standing by a fireplace, and Otto is talking to her, who is her father, and he said, you know, you're very good at this game. I'm paraphrasing, but, like, good enough to win it. Meaning, they're going to be politicking. You know, white girls yeah. politicking. That's the Sarah Palin. Tyga said that, and I think it's very true in this case. <laughs> Wise words from a decent Wise man. Wise words from a great, from a, from a lord, Lord Tyga. Um, and I think that Allison is going to see this opportunity, and she's going to seize the opportunity, and this is where the Civil War comes, is through good old-fashioned sexism. But it's coming from a powerful woman saying, no, no, you can't be queen, but my son can be king. Yeah. Essentially, that's Allison's play there. Yeah. And it becomes Rhaenyra versus this young boy. But really, the young boy is backed by powerful forces. Rhaenyra's team at this point seems way more impressive. But we will learn the Greens also have some powerful backers. Yeah. I, I actually, for those of us who are familiar with how Westeros, like the politician aspect of it, in in actuality, the Greens have a much more mighty military force, and and they're sort of stationed pretty central in King's Landing. Aren't right, they? they have all the sources of legitimacy, which we'll get into in yeah. our next episode. So and stay don't tuned. underestimate the common folk and lords to be like, yeah, it's a boy. Yeah, absolutely. So stay tuned. Um, my my formal prediction. Viserys gone episode, toward the end of episode eight. So that's the penultimate. I agree. Nine. I think that has to be the big yeah. thing that happens. I, I think I think we see a lot of politicking, like you said, in the one through eight. I think we see the war on the stepstones, which would be awesome. And I think toward the end of the season, last two episodes, you see a lot of rallying the banners on both sides, but not trying to trying to kind of maneuver around war. And then there will be a catalyst. Right at the end of episode 10, that is, all right, now we're coming to blows. And season two is going to be the actual Civil War. Hell yeah. And I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see how they handle it. I want to see the politics. I want to see the grimy characters. I want to see them playing the game. I want to see the backstabbing. Episode two, we'll get more into that detail. Um, who knows when we'll do that. But it's keep state. Like Chris said, stay in touch with our social media. Our Instagram is uh, up to date. So... And I can already hear, feel the text coming in, mm. the DMs coming in. We Again, do want that interaction. We no, need that. no, we do. Yeah. But what I don't want to hear is, oh my God, you're already spoiling season one. No, first of all, this this information has been published and is out there from, I mean, it says on there, HBO's Game of Thrones on the book, okay? So it's coming from HBO. They realize this information's out there. They know they have the creative freedom to be able to change stuff. And like yeah. we said, the sources are all either third party or removed in some sort of way. So, And also, I don't know if you're supposed to do this at the end of the episode, but spoiler alert. There, we have it. <laughs> so it's we, taken care of. Nothing, <laughs> nothing that we said right now is guaranteed to happen. No, but as we discussed it, we discussed. Siri, I'm not talking to you. But she's, she raises a great point, which is you have the creative freedom. That's what she was getting to, <laughs> was you have the creative freedom in the show. So anything we say might not be gospel at all. Right. Which is what's exciting. It's 
ooh, it's, it's like a new relationship. It's mysterious and exciting, and you don't know what's going to happen. And then you get bored quick. I was <laughs> expecting like a ooh, Sansa out of there. Ooh, oh, dude, I'm going to miss Baelish. I can't wait to start to start hearing these characters so I can bust out my very bad impressions that make people uncomfortable. I, I think they make people happy. I do know one person who used to say the Osansa was uncomfortable, but everyone else loved it. So I got to cater to the... Hey, that, that's, yeah, that's... I do want to... Oh, Sha Sha. <laughs> We're back. R.I.P. Baelish. Oh, and that that dagger will be in this, too. That's right. Yeah, yeah the cat's paw dagger. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm good. You got oh, to man. Yeah, don't even... See, now you're about to get oh, me on a oh, tangent about episode two. Put it in steel, episode two. So. We have a, a joint Google Doc. Throw it in episode two about the cat's paw dagger. Right. We'll get more in episode two, folks, into... What does it say here? Um, the high towers, all that stuff. We're very excited to bring it to you. Chris, you got anything else? I love you guys. I love you guys too. And uh, Allison, hit me up. Maybe we can win the Game of Thrones together.